Hey everyone, welcome to Indie Film Grid, a podcast about indie films and indie filmmakers. I am your host, Timothy Patrick, but you, you can call me Tim. In this episode, I talk with Richard Botto. He's an actor, producer, screenwriter, founder and CEO of Stage 32, and he's the author of a book called Crowdsourcing for Filmmakers. We talk about many aspects of filmmaking, including the difference between crowdfunding and crowdsourcing. Let's get into it. And here we are with Richard Botto. Richard, thanks for being on the podcast, man. How are you? Doing well, Tim. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. You're a busy man in the world of, of filmmaking. You got a lot going on. Yeah, I like to keep busy. Uh, you know, there's a lot going on with the site, obviously, with the business uh, as it relates to the platform. And then, of course, my creative pursuits and the book coming out a couple of months ago, which has been um, very rewarding and uh, you know, it's generated a lot of interest. So it's been, it's been fun. It's, it's been good busy, uh, you know, keeping, uh, all these balls in the air, so to speak. And, uh, yeah. looking forward to a, uh, killer 18 right now, uh, you know, off to a really good start for sure. And, uh, before we get into all that good stuff, uh, it'd be great to hear, you know, how it all started. What, what initially got you into filmmaking? Well, it, really, I started in theater as an actor, and um, I was off doing a magazine called Razor for a while, and when I was doing that, I had met a, a lot of producers and financiers, people in the industry, a lot of managers and agents, and uh, always had an interest in the business side of the film industry, and sort of that unique, not, I wouldn't say so unique, I mean, it's becoming more and more common out of necessity for people that they, uh, you know, a lot of creatives are learning the business side, you know, it's sort of becoming extremely important in the sort of DIY world. But back then, you know, talking eight, 10 years ago, uh, you know, there was just something about the industry that I loved and the business side of it, the producing side of it. And it kind of complemented everything I was doing on the creative side. Uh, so everything kind of converged at once. Once I was done with the magazine, I started producing a couple of films and got involved with a few that uh, flew close to the sun, one that we had actually set up with Paramount that fell apart. Uh, you know, we had Richard Gere and, uh, oh, wow. Julianne Moore attached to it. Yeah, it was, it was very interesting time at that point. And, and the indie market at that moment really wasn't that strong, but you know, right when that kind of fell apart, the indie market was starting to come around a little bit again. And that's when I started producing a couple of independent films and, you know, started throwing myself back into writing. And, uh, it's just been, you know, I kind of journey since I'm kind of working both sides of the fence and, and enjoy both, uh, pretty much equally. I mean, I enjoy the creative side as much as I enjoy, I, I look at the producing side, the business side as sort of a creative thing as well. It is putting these projects together involves a lot of creativity mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, and the ability to work with creative minds as well, not just the business minds, but the creative minds. And, uh, so, you know, so to work on both sides of the fence, like I was saying, you know, to me, it gives me a little bit of an advantage because I'm able to, uh, empathize and sympathize with all parties involved. Right. And it, it's great. You, you know how to work both the, uh, you know, the creative side and the business side, but you're also working the education side for a lot of filmmakers out there, which is even better. 
Um, and, and maybe that's where uh, we can start talking about uh, Stage 32. Uh, can you tell mm-hmm. us the, the concept behind that platform and it, what it is to filmmakers? Sure. Uh, simply put, you know, I when all this was happening, I was just talking about this sort of move back into producing, writing, um, and, you know, trying to put films together. It was pretty much at the, the beginnings or the boom of social media and mainly the broad-based social media sites like Facebook and Twitter uh, and LinkedIn to an extent. And from a business standpoint and from a creative standpoint, I, I knew the importance or I saw the importance and I understood the importance of relationship building. It's so important in this business. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I wanted to find ways to build my network and to build those relationships and to find people um, all over the world that were, you know, sort of involved in the same arena that I was in, uh, especially on the producing side, because you, you started to see even back eight, 10 years ago that filmmaking was going global as far as, you know, co-productions between countries and, and just, you know, the way that the, the web was taking over for distribution and, sure. or the origins of that. So I, I knew it was very, very important. And, but I also knew my time was very valuable and, and I'm and limited to be honest. So I, I put myself out on some of the broad based networks and started working them and made some good connections. But what I was finding was that, you know, these connections I was making, uh, even the ones that were in the industry, uh, you know, they, they were on these broad-based networks talking about everything but film. You know, they were talking about their kids and talking about what they have for dinner and, hmm. you know, and so on and so forth. Talking about the, their, their you know, uh, recreational life more than their business life. And, you know, the people that I want to share that information with are the people that, you know, I, I, I'll go to dinner with those people. I'll get on the phone with those people. Right. Uh, I'll text with those people. But, you know, I, I it wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. And having a little bit of a tech background as well, feeling that, you know, niche social media sites were probably where this thing was going to go after the broad-based social media sites had kind of, you know, uh, formed their beachhead, so to speak, and, you know, that these niche social media sites were going to kind of you know, start popping up. And I felt like there needed to be one for film creatives and content creators and everybody, as I like to put it, that you see in the credits when you're watching watching, uh, the end scroll of a movie, uh, that there needed to be a place for all these people to come together to make content and to launch projects. So that was the origins of Stage 32. And and we launched it in 2011 uh, with a very small group of my friends and, you know, about 100 people. And it's grown to a half million worldwide uh, over half a million worldwide. And, you know, we're extremely proud of that. And, and it's, it's a very, very concentrated networking site, but it's also a very, uh, proactive and, um, friendly arena, unlike, you know, some social sites that are out there. Mm -hmm. I like how, uh, you guys coin it. It's, uh, stage 32 is, uh, Linda meets LinkedIn for film, television, and theater creatives. Oh, that was Forbes that said that. Yes. Yeah. Forbes said that we were very thrilled with that because they said that six months prior to LinkedIn actually acquiring Linda for $1.5 billion. So we were pretty pleased when that happened. But yeah, I mean, people aren't familiar with the Linda side of that. Linda is one of the biggest educational sites on the web. Uh, they call, they, they've been around pre-web and, um, you know, brought it onto the web and, and, uh, you know, just exploded with it way back in the early days. And, um, LinkedIn ended up buying them. And that was, you know, for us, that was a really huge compliment because that's exactly the way we kind of see ourselves. We see ourselves as 
uh, a portal for people to come together and to forge relationships that will lead to, as I said earlier, content creation, projects being financed, uh, relationships that end up being sort of tribal, you know, where people are able to find the tribe of, of uh, a tribe of creatives and, and, you know, cast and crew that they can carry forth from one project to the next. But then on the other side, there is the educational component because we are big believers in the fact that your education never stops. And in this day and age, especially over the last few years where things have just changed so dramatically, the whole complex of this business and the way content is being created, financed, distributed, you know, et cetera, uh, it's, it's constantly changing and you need to be on top of everything that's going on. So to be able to provide the education um, and global education, you know, things that are happening, geo-targeted, you know, geo-targeted education with educators that are doing it right now, you know, teachers mm -hmm. that are in the trenches at the moment, that's something we're extremely proud of and something that is, uh, you know, something that's discussed every day in these offices. Yeah, that's impressive. Now, are, are the ones doing the educating, did they uh, sort of rise up uh, through the ranks of the network or uh, did you find them outside? Well, we spent, you know, education was always going to be part of this. And but we knew early on, you know, I was very aware of the fact that we couldn't introduce education on day one. We needed to build the community. We needed to build up the trust and the faith of the people that were uh, in the in the network that uh, this was going to be something that would be productive for their careers during that time. We spent a lot of time behind the scenes, my staff and I, and by virtue of being in the business, this was a little bit easier for me, but to go out and to network and meet with a ton of people that were working and to reach out to a ton of people who were working in the business and say, you know, look, in a, in a year or two, we're going to be introducing education. We would love for you to be one of our teachers. We'd love for you to teach on these subjects. What do you think? And we were amazed to find how so many that were not only receptive, but enthusiastically receptive to the idea, you know, to the, you know, and how many people just wanted to give back, you know, a lot mm -hmm. of a big misconception in this business is that, you know, the people who have scaled the mountain, you know, are ruthless and they're, you know, they're killers and, you know, some of them are, but, you know, and, and you have to have a little bit of that in you, I guess, but, but almost all, almost all, I mean, I, I'm not even exaggerating on this. Almost all of them want to give back because somewhere along the way, there was either a champion or a mentor or a few that, you know, either gave them a chance or, or helped it, you know, helped lead them up that mountain. And they're, you know, they're looking to come back down and, and to shepherd other people. And that's been the really rewarding part of this. Um, mm -hmm. There's been many, many rewarding parts of it, but that's certainly been one of the greatest for me is to see how many people uh, and how many creatives and how many business people uh, and industry people with huge, huge accomplishments are at their core very, very human and uh, willing to give. And that's been extraordinary for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean, uh, once you've accumulated a, a lifetime of filmmaking knowledge, you, you want to share it. You want to, uh, you know, it, it makes you feel good to to improve somebody else's experience. That's great. Yeah, it really is. I mean, we've had teachers that, you know, uh, give up months, you know, like a month's worth of time in a lot of ways because they're teaching multiple, multiple, multiple classes. And, and you know, and then some of them are even, 
you know, personal one-on-one time type classes where they're taking hours out of their week and, you know, the weekends to, you know, to help, uh, writers and filmmakers and cinematographers and actors, you know, reach that next level or, or, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, learn more about the industry or further their craft. It's, it really is. I, I, you know, not to beat a dead horse or to be repetitive, but it really is such a rewarding thing to see. And it's just never lost on me. It's, you know, I had a call this morning with an extremely accomplished producer in television, um, about this very thing about coming in to, to teach. And, you know, he was referred by somebody else who had uh, taught for us and, you know, he just, uh, he just was blown away by what we're doing. And he had seen the work that his, uh, his colleague had done and he was just like, what can, you know, he opened it all up by saying, what can I do? And I think that that's, you know, it, that it, 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 sometimes you, you lose it in the day to day when you're in this business, cause it is a tough business, but it's moments like that where you just sit there and go, man, you know, the people that are in this business, a lot of them get a raw deal because there are so many that do want to give and so many who are, uh, generous. And, um, that's, you know, it, it's, it's something special when, when that happens. Right. And it sounds like you're building a community of people, uh, that want to learn their, their knowledge isn't falling on deaf ears. Like, have you ever tried to teach something to someone that doesn't want to listen? It, it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not to be negative, but it happens really almost every day. I mean, you know, we have, like I said, over a half million people on this platform and, Many of them want to communicate with, uh, you know, me and the staff and, and, you know, you'll get people that'll write in and say, you know, this isn't working for me or this is, you know, this is whatever, you know, the negativity, the negativity. And then you look at what they're doing on the site, on the platform and they're not active and they, you know, they haven't uploaded a headshot. They haven't uploaded a bio. Mm. They're not contributing. All they're doing is posting stuff about themselves. They're coming from a place of pure selfishness instead of selflessness. And you sit there and you go, okay, well, look, you know, you're not you're not investing in the strategy. You're not investing in the, the, uh, you know, the awareness. And that's one type of investing investment that you're going to make in yourself. And, but you have on the flip side, so many who are willing to make an investment in themselves. And that means the investment of time to be, you know, educated on what's going on in the business, the investment of time on knowing best practices and best behaviors, uh, not only on social media and not only on stage 32, but in person at conferences and, and, uh, you know, panels and things of that nature. And then there are people of course that are, that are investing in themselves by, you know, uh, taking classes and by, you know, uh, taking these labs and things like that, that they're, you know, it's an investment in themselves. And to me, there's no greater investment that you can make. And, you know, I always tell people, look, when I first was starting out, I made a ton of sacrifices. You know, I loved, I'm a very social person. I love being out. I was out all the time. I like, you know, going to great restaurants. I like traveling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for a year or two, I had to, I put a kibosh on that, not only to be creating work, you know, not even, you know, not only just to, to, you know, perform the craft, but, uh, and get better at the craft, um, but to take classes and to, invest in myself and to put myself in the you know the best position to win and you know that meant saving money and it meant you know putting stuff aside but the investment paid off you know it led to uh films getting made you know on the producing side it led to me landing my manager because of being in a position where i won a contest that gave me access it you know it, mm-hmm. it led to me 
you know, it led to me being um, in development on one of my screenplays. All these things were the investment of time and money that I put into myself. So you see both sides of the coin. You see the people. You could, usually I tell people I could. I, I really, honestly, could tell within five minutes whether you're going to be serious or whether this is a hobby or whether you're going to be receptive to um, the hard. No, I say the hardships. That's a totally the wrong word. I guess you know, receptive to the challenges mm -hmm. that this business presents at all times, or if you're going to be the victim. You usually could tell that within five minutes of talking to somebody. It, it really, it, it truly is the case. And, you know, the people that are really willing to put in the time and they understand that this is a marathon and not a sprint, those are the people that are going to win the day. And again, the people that invest in themselves. And, and those are the people, having done this for six, seven years now, running this platform, I could tell you that the biggest success stories we've had, and we've had thousands of them, uh, the thing that, you know, the common denominator is that the people put in the work, the time, and, and they were dedicated to it and treated it like a job. Wow. Now, back to the classes, the classes themselves on uh, Stage 32. Um, how are those set up? Are those uh, uh, videos, um, live webinars? Can you go into that a little bit? Sure, sure. We have three different types of education um, as it relates to the webinars, the classes and the labs. And those are the three, I guess. So I, you know, kind of give that away, but the webinars are basically 90 minute lecture hall styles. They're, they're, they're all video to answer your question. Mm -hmm. Some of them are live. Some of them are on demand. They all end up on demand, even the live webinars. Uh, so you don't have to be there live. If you sign up for it, you could, you know, watch it at your convenience anytime you want, once you purchase it and as many times as you want as well. The 90-minute webinars are lecture hall style. Um, you know, we we allow as many people as you know want to come in to come in. Uh, we try to get as many questions answered as possible. They're usually between 90 minutes and two hours, and it's usually about an hour and ten to an hour and a half of lecturing, and then you know 30 to 50 minutes of Q and A. Then we have classes. Classes are usually two to six weeks in length, also lecture hall style. Hmm. Um, they're more in depth, obviously, and they, you know, they might require a little bit of homework as well. Uh, very, 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 they're, they're intensives. They're, you know, they're, they're a deep dive into whatever the subject matter is. And then our final um, category, I guess you would call it, would be labs. And labs are usually limited to 20 people. Um, they are much more one-on-one -on -one with the instructor. You're in a group setting, but then you kind of break out to do your work. And then that work is reviewed by the instructor. The instructor has office hours, um, online. So you could be, still be anywhere in the world to take these, you know, to take the lab, uh, yeah. and your office hours with the, uh, you know, what the professor will be, uh, usually, you know, via Skype or, you know, we have uh, other software that we use for these types of things as well. So those are basically the three. And then we also offer a variety of writer services that are one-on-ones, you know, uh, mentoring calls, um, pitching advice, things of that nature. Wow. That, that's fantastic. Uh, I mean, if, if you didn't do it, somebody else would have, but I don't know if they would have done it this well. Well, I appreciate that. We put a lot of work into it. It's a lot of hard work. Um, and we're very proud of it. I mean, we, we have... Pretty much, and I, I, last we looked, I think it was a 97% um, approval rating on all of our uh, all of our educational offerings. Um, 
most people come back for a second and third, you know, it's, it's, uh, and, and sometimes many, 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 many more. Um, right. we're very proud of what we've done. Yeah. We're very proud of the education. It starts with the vetting. I mean, we are very, very serious about bringing in the best of the best. Um, we turn away a lot of teachers just because we feel like, you know, we don't want, we're, you know, all the respect, we don't want people who accomplished, you know, the climb the mountain 30 years ago because the business has just changed too dramatically since then. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, do you sometimes go with a, a younger in instructor who has, has forged his way through this new new age. Absolutely. Uh, and that's part of the doing it right now. Look, this is, this is a very, very fluid time. I mean, everything is happening so rapidly as far as, you know, digital is concerned. And, and like I said, the, the changes in distribution alone, the, the advent and, and the, um, uh, sort of burgeoning, uh, world of streaming, it's all of this is, is changing sometimes by the day. And we want people that are right in the thick of it, right now people that understand that world right now now look you know when we're talking about things like craft mm -hmm. sometimes it's great to have the you know the screenwriter that has had 20 produced screenplays and you know it's still working and it's still you know had something out last year or this year i mean that's great to have or the filmmaker who you know, has, you know, 20 credits that is constantly, you know, working and, and, and even controlling their own content. It's, it's very interesting, you know, what we see out there right now, but it's, and again, how dramatically that's even changed from three or four years ago. We weren't talking about digital nearly as much, of course, as we're talking about it today. Web series was sort of a novelty three years ago. Now they're proof of concept and now they're being monetized online. Mm -hmm. Um, shorts and short films even i mean five years ago you know sort of a novelty i mean people were okay yeah we'll take a look at that now we have you know such interest from managers and agents and producers looking at shorts as not only proof of concept for material but proof of concept for talent is that right and that's been oh god yeah that's absolutely. good news and it's, and it's fascinating to what oh it's fantastic and it's look it's never been a better time to be a content creator but it's also never been uh, a better time to be more to be as vigilant as 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 humanly possible as to who you're learning the landscape from because there are so many people that are coming you know anytime that you have a dam break you know you have ever, you have a million people trying to you know sell you the boat you know or or mm -hmm. show you the path out and everything like that everybody's going to come down and tell you that they know the best way you really need to you know, do your research and do your due diligence to figure out who is the best instructor, who are the best people to really lead you to the promised land. And that's why I think we've been so successful is that, you know, again, we vet everybody. We put people through interviews and put them through the paces before we say, OK, you're going to come on and teach for us. And um, they respect that. You know, a lot of teachers respect that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, I think that's been a part and parcel to our success. I'm, I'm just curious, is there one particular course that is more popular hands down than any of the others? Well, I think, you know, because we're talking about so many disciplines and so many business aspects, it's tough to drill down on just one. We had a couple of film financing ones that have done fi fantastic. We had a, a series that we did with um, a company called Bondit out here in LA, Bondit. Mm -hmm. you know, provide uh, funds and finishing funds for films so that they help uh, filmmakers and producers, 
get their budgets together and get the final pieces of uh, financing together to get their films off the ground. They've been doing it for a long time and extremely well respected in the business. And we did a, you know, a three part producing and financing series with them, with some really, really top notch producers and people on the legal side as well to, you know, just give everybody sort of what is the landscape of independent film financing in 2017, 2018, and what does it look like? You know, what do what do they see it looking like going towards 2019? And it was enormously successful and enormously popular, and, and the feedback was just off the charts. But that just goes to show these are people that, you know, you have a company that we partnered with that does this every day. We had three producers and um, the head of a law firm that works in the entertainment side, uh, you know, involved in this and it it was as we try as we it's our mantra here basically is let's provide applicable you know timely applicable actionable information and that's exactly what this this series did so that was a really popular one our screenwriting ones are always extremely popular we have an incredibly vibrant and uh progressive thinking screenwriting community. It's over 70,000 strong on the site. It might even over 80,000 by now. Um, But they are, you know, I wouldn't say majority of them. There is a core group of them that are so serious about what they're doing. And, and, you know, a lot of them take our webinars and our classes and have gone on to huge successes off of them and have made some great contacts and even form writing groups out of them, you know, based on the other students in the classes. And, it's all, like I said earlier, extremely rewarding. And, uh, you know, when we get those letters in and we do every day from people who take our education and saying, you know, how much it's helped. And, you know, and then, of course, when they write in with the tales of success, when, it, you know, it's led to something bigger and greater, uh, you know, it, it makes it all that much more uh, enjoyable and, uh, you know, makes us feel good about the work we're doing. Yeah. I mean, it makes me uh, ponder uh, when film schools will become obsolete. Um, Because, you know, you. Well, I'll tell you what. Yeah. This is a hell of a lot cheaper than film school. Mm -hmm. And uh, and you get to do it on your own. I mean, I think that you're right. I mean, I I didn't mean to cut you off. You're 100% right. It's It's actually one of the other reasons why I wanted to bring education in the mix. I mean, living out in LA. And, you know, prior to that, living in New York, knowing a lot of people that went to film school and, uh, you know, I took film classes and a lot of it was just not, again, applicable and actionable. Um, You know, I saw so many people that spent insane, an insane amount of money and then they come out and they have no contacts and they have no, you know, people don't really care and that, you know, they're still, they're not getting their work seen. And. You know, I think one of the failings of, of film school, and it, it, I know it's changing in some regards, but the problem is that they teach you so much about the craft, they teach you so little about the business. And yeah. you need to know the business. You have to know the business. You have to know how to navigate the business. Um, there are a million talented people out there, but there are things that you can do and strategies that you can apply uh, and tactics that you can take that will give you a competitive advantage over the rest. And we, you know, film school really doesn't prepare you for those things. But, you know, the classes and the webinars we offer because they're balanced, you know, to craft and to the business side of things, you can pick and choose where you feel you're deficient. And mm-hmm. I think that's the thing that's given people, uh, 
you know, that's the thing that what's one of the things that we hear from a lot of our members that they love is the fact that, you know, again, they, they don't know the business and they think a lot of people, you know, it's a global audience. Like I said, it's a half million people worldwide. A lot of people from around the world think that, that filmmaking in general is this walled off, you know, bunch of acres in, in Hollywood. And it's just not true. And if you could demystify, demysticize and demystify that, um, by showing them what's happening all over the globe, but not only showing them what's happening all the globe, all over the globe, but showing them the path to break through, then, you know, that's going to inspire people to move on and, and cause less people to quit. And I think that's the thing. I mean, as creatives, we all need that motivation to stay in the game. Mm -hmm. And part of that motivation isn't always just getting feedback on our work. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's not only just feedback on our work, but it's uh, that belief that this is possible uh, and that success is possible. But then also being able to sit there and go, man, there's not just one avenue to success. There's many. And I, there's a lot of paths that I could travel with the same project. And, and that's, you know, something that keeps people inspired. Mm -hmm. And I like to, your attitude is also not, yeah, there's a lot of ways so it could happen to you. It's, yeah, there's a lot of ways, but you have to make it happen. Absolutely. You have to put in the work. I think that's the, it's, it sounds so simple, but it's the, it's almost the secret sauce in a way because People don't put in the work. They really don't. Uh, they say they're putting in the work. They talk about putting in the work. Um, but, you know, they're spending, I've said this a million times, but they're spending time, you know, binge watching shows and wasting time on Twitter and all this other crap. And, they're, you know, you have to be honest with yourself. Are you really putting in the time? Like mm -hmm. I always talk about relationship building as being half of my job, you know, put, trying to put together these projects and trying to, you know, write a great script or, you know, produce a great film. I mean, that's that's part of the job, of course. But the other part is relationship building. It's mm -hmm. having people that are going to want to look at it, people I could talk to, people who I can, you know, help that that may be able to help piece some of these projects together. I mean, it's a grind. And but you got to be on the grind, man. And, right. and a lot of people are willing to be on the grind because it's a freaking grind. And mm -hmm. a lot of people feel like, you know, man, you know, it's a lot of work. I hear that a lot too. Like, man, this business is a lot of work. And and immediately when somebody says that to me, I'm just like, I don't know if you I don't know if you can cut it that. Like, <laughs> that what you're thinking about seriously. I mean, I hate that that, you know, No, I'm with you. I'm laughing cuz it's true. Yeah, I mean, and I'm not being cruel, I'm being honest. Like, you know, people always thank me for being blunt and for being honest, and those are the people that I appreciate too. Those are the people that I know are serious about it, about, you know, their success and investing in themselves as well. When people say to me, when people say to me, like, man, you, you know, you're so negative, I'm like, man, if you think I'm negative, you are never going to make it in this business because I'm not negative. I'm actually right. one of the more positive people you'll ever meet. And I'm trying to give positive affirmation every day. But it's the people that come to me and just go, you know, thank you for the straight talk and thank you for being blunt. Those are the people that I know have a real chance of making it in this business because those are the people that are going to get, you know, take that punch in the face Take that punch in the nose and go, what did I learn from that punch? How am I going to duck that the next time? You know, or right. how am I going to counter that? Those are the people that are going to make it or have, or at least have the greatest shot to make it. So, and I always, you know, people say, I always hear people say too, like, you know, oh, this business requires a little bit of luck. You know what? 
luck comes when you put yourself in a position to get it. Mm -hmm. And if you're putting yourself in a position to get it every day, you're making those relationships every day, you're meeting the right people every day, guess what? Luck finds those people. It, it does. I've seen it happen time and time again. And really, it's not as much luck as people think. It's putting yourself in the right position all the time. It's putting in the work. That's right. it. I, I know people who, when they were working on their short film, they, they told me, no, we're not watching any movies because uh, we, we don't want to be influenced by any, anybody else. Like, that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. You know, you could, you could see what works, what doesn't, you know. And being able to have a community where people are uh, giving their advice or input on uh, the project you're working on, that's, that's invaluable. No, I agree. I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, look, any great writer will tell you that the way you become a better writer is by reading. I always say the be you know, one of the best educations you can get as a screenwriter is to read good and bad scripts. It's to, right. you know, to learn from the good. You can learn as much from the good ones as the bad ones, just as you can as a filmmaker. Uh, looking at good and bad films. Why, why did it work? Why didn't it work? Or, you know, sometimes the best things to look at as a filmmaker uh, or the best films to look at as a filmmaker sometimes are the ones that were unbelievable on the page but failed on the screen. Like, what happened? Mm. Uh, and how do we avoid that again? So to be, you know, I mean, I've heard actors before who have taken on roles. You know, I started as an actor and again, I did a lot of theater and we would do some plays that were very popular. And, you know, maybe a famous actor played one of the roles and, you know, on Broadway or something. And people would say, oh, you know, I, I got a video of that, but I'm not going to watch it because, you know, I don't want to be influenced. That's one thing as an actor. But I think as a filmmaker or as a writer uh, even as a cinematographer, I think you got to consume as much as humanly possible. Everything you consume is a learning experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, there are times, you know, it's tough sometimes to sit through a movie. Like, you know, I'm so anxious to go see certain movies and I sit and I'm halfway through the movie, I'm getting lost in the script instead of watching the movie and going, damn, man, like, why did they make that choice? And, why, <laughs> and then I'm like, you know, I have to sh try to shut myself down. And sometimes I literally will have to watch a movie twice as you know, once as sort of a consumer of entertainment and once as a creative to learn things from it. And that's all fine too, but it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, you have to be, you have to be consuming content at all times, but not at the detriment of your career or, or creating your own material. You know, it's when you have the time and when you can have the time. Um, and when you, you know, uh, specifically if you're looking to learn something from it, you know, that's, uh, you know, that's worthy of your time. Not right. to say you shouldn't have downtime and free time and you shouldn't be able to go out on a weekend and watch a movie. That's not what I'm trying to say. But, um, but you know, you, we learn by watching other people. And that's why you have people like Sorkin and Tarantino who have all used one version or another of the line, you know, uh, good artists borrow, great artists steal. Mm -hmm. I mean, everybody takes from everybody else. Uh, you know, I was just watching that movie, Good Time, with Robert Pattinson. And I mean... Of course it owes a debt to Scorsese. I mean, of course it does. I mean, you know, you see it in there. You know, mm -hmm. you, they're going for their original voice, but they're, you know, the part of their original voice is to, you know, be influenced by the voices of others. It's just the way it is. If you think about it, uh, in the early days of film, um, you know, there was a guy that did the first close-up, and everybody who did a close-up after that was copying him. I mean, it, right, exactly. it, it's a language, you know, there are certain things that make you feel certain things. And if you're not watching uh, enough uh, content to realize what those things are, you're going to miss out. 
No doubt about it. I mean, look, I mean, you know, Scorsese is, you know, alone. I mean, everybody loves to point to him and say, oh, everybody steals from Scorsese. Scorsese admits that he stole from a million people or he mm-hmm. bar, you know, he was influenced by a million people. And, you know, and that's part of it. You know, some people even model their film against other films. You know, this was the film that influenced it. I wanted it to look like this. I wanted it. There's nothing wrong with any of it. But the point of the matter is, you know, is that. The more you take in, the more you're going to find your voice and the more you're going to find the things that are special to you and matter to you. And and that is going to influence your art. And there's nothing wrong with that. Back to the, uh, you know, the community, uh, building relationships and, and taking your, your career to the next level. Uh, was the creation of Stage 32 uh, kind of usher you into writing your book? crowdsourcing for filmmakers? Um, that actually came from, it's an interesting question, and it came a little bit after that, you know, by virtue of starting Stage 32 and the fact that it kind of took off as quickly as it did. I was asked to speak at a lot of conferences and festivals around the world, and very rewarding in its own right there as well. And one of the ones, or one of the uh, uh, panels that I hosted was at, or was asked to host was at AFM, the American film market here in Santa Monica back in, I think it was 2014, and they wanted to do a panel on crowdsourcing. And it was very ahead of its time because a lot of people, and they still don't, it's amazing because everybody will come to me and say, oh, I hear you wrote a book on crowdfunding. And I'm like, no, crowdsourcing. I've even had people who have held the book in their hands and said, I can't, you know, it's great that you wrote a book about crowdfunding. I'm like, no, read the title. <laughs> and then there are just people that really honestly don't, that they, they think that crowdsourcing, the word is the same as crowdfunding. So, you know, we had a talk with Jonathan Wolf, who is the head guy, the head honcho, as we like to call him at AFM. He's a brilliant dude and, and just his way on top of uh, the latest trends and things that are happening in the business and likes to program uh, his producers series uh, of panels at AFM around, you know, the latest and greatest. And we had a talk about this idea of this crowdsourcing panel and, you know, we were like, we'll we'll give it a shot. And we did. And we, you know, we brought up a few people um, who, you know, worked in arenas, you know, for example, we had somebody from participant media and they do a lot of socially, social, socially conscious type films and uh, crowdsource their audiences appropriately based on the subject matter. So they were way ahead of their time hmm. doing this kind of thing. And, and, you know, we, we spent a good two hours. It's really interesting. We spent a good two hours talking about this and, and they gave me an iPad, um, for questions, people could text in their questions that would show up on the iPad. And uh, it was amazing throughout the entire thing. We were saying about sourcing an audience and how you source. You could do that. You could source anything from an audience to locations, to camera equipment, to you name it. And all the questions that were coming in were about crowdfunding. And we were mm-hmm. like, wow, this is, this is crazy. But as soon as the panel was over, I got approached uh, – by a woman named Emily. Uh, she was a pub, um, an editor over at Focal Press and eventually moved on, you know, to the business side. And she said, you know, you really need to write a book about this. And I was very much against it because I didn't think I would have the time to do it. But over the following year, as I saw what was happening in the business and the importance of crowdsourcing and how I really believed it was going to play a, a part not only in the life of the independent filmmaker, but in the screenwriter, the actor, the the cinematographer, the crew person, 
everybody who is looking to further their career, build an audience for themselves, build support for who they were and the brand of who they are and the brand of their material. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like the thing had to be done. And so finally I, I relented and uh, wrote, it took about a year and a half to two years to write the book, you know, over a hundred interviews, three very, very cool case studies, a, a short, a feature, a documentary that we put in there. Um, nice. And then even, even the story of stage 32, which the audience was crowdsourced. I mean, the, mm-hmm. the, the whole idea when you sign up for stage 32 is that uh, I say to you, if, if you like what you see here, invite at least five fellow creatives, if not more, pay it forward, help us source the audience. And that's how we went from 100 people to over a half million is because people do send an insane amount of invites, invite the whole acting crew, the whole cast and crew from a film, their filmmaking group, you name it. Um, it just seemed like such a natural fit to go do this. And uh, so finally, we, you know, hunkered down and like I said, it took a while, but the, the book finally came out um, in the, the middle of November of last year, and it's been uh, it's been killing it. I mean, Focal tells me it's you know been one of the best selling titles, and and the reception has been uh, fantastic. And um, you know, I've given a lot of talks on it since, and it's it's been again. I keep using this word rewarding, but it it has been rewarding to meet so many people. Uh, either who have read it or who have attended one of the talks or the panels, uh, you know, who come up to me afterwards or send me an email or send me a private message through Stage 32 to say, this is a game changer for me because I really didn't understand this idea of branding and this idea of building an army of support, you know, these boots on the ground and support of me and my projects and how powerful that is. Mm -hmm. And it really is powerful. And I talked earlier I spoke earlier about this idea of, you know, there are certain things that you can do to give yourself a competitive advantage and rise above the noise. Well, this is one of them. If you understand how to crowdsource, if you understand how to, uh, you know, build that army of supporters, those voices who act in support of you, uh, your brand, the brand of your projects, uh, the brand of all your content, you have such a gigantic competitive advantage because that voice of another is so much more powerful than the voice of you. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, that's where it all came from. And, and, uh, you know, I'm just thrilled that it's out and it's doing well. So just to clarify for some of our listeners who may still be confused of crowdfunding versus crowdsourcing, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I could lay it out very, very, um, I hope very clearly (laughs) you can tell me if it's making any sense, but crowdfunding at its most, at its core, at its most base is, you know, raising funds, uh, either through equity crowdfunding, which is, you know, you're giving away shares or pieces or equity within the project or through rewards based crowdfunding, which is what most people are familiar with, which is like Indiegogo and Kickstarter, where you're giving away uh, you know, tchotchkes and posters and this, that, and the other thing for in return for support of, uh, you know, they're going to give you money for those things in support of your project. So it's all money-based. It's, it's to raise financing for a project. Um, crowdsourcing is about identifying, engaging, and moving an audience on, in support of the brand of you and the brand of your content and the content itself in support of you and the content itself. There has never been a successful crowdfunding campaign in the history of crowdfunding 
unless your family and friends, you know, finance the whole thing, which, you know, then you really don't need crowdfunding at all. But uh, there has never been a successful crowdfunding campaign that did not involve a gigantic element of crowdsourcing. Mm -hmm. And what I mean by that is when you start a crowdfunding campaign, when you launch something, um, you know, if you launch it without doing any sort of crowdsourcing, you're basically going with, uh, you know, and if you build it, they will come mentality. You're kind of counting on the fact that people are going to be just so overwhelmed by your genius and so overwhelmed by the concept of the film or one or the other, or maybe both, that people are just going to come in and pour money into your project. And it very, very rarely, if ever works. Um, you know, I have a good, very good friend at Indiegogo who has told me that probably less than 1% of the time that works. And, you know, usually even in, in that instance that it does, or the few instances that it does, it's somebody that has some sort of cachet or following from somewhere else. Mm -hmm. A good crowdfunding campaign or somebody who is about to run a good crowdfunding campaign or a team that is going to get behind a good crowdfunding campaign will spend probably anywhere from two to four to six months crowdsourcing. So what they will do is they know what the brand of the film is. They know who the audience of the film is. They're honest about themselves, who the audience of the film is. And if they say, if, if you ask them the question, who's this film for, who's the audience of this film? And they say everybody, then they have no idea what they're doing. If they say, well, look, this is the subject matter of the film. So we think this will appeal to audiences A, B, and C. Mm -hmm. We also feel like groups one, two, and three would be interested in this organizations, you know, uh, three, four, five, and six will be interested in this. And that's who we're going to spend the next two to three months identifying, engaging, getting them involved in what we're doing, telling them everything about what we're, you know, asking them their, their advice, getting their input. And, and believe me, I'm, I'm putting this in very, very simplistic terms. It mm -hmm. goes much deeper. Than this. And the deeper you can go with this, the better off you're going to be. It's all in the book, by the way. Um, and then ultimately, you are going to ask these people to move on behalf of you and your projects because you have gained their trust. Well, let me ask you something. One of the reasons I wanted to start this podcast was to sort of cultivate an audience that I could eventually steer in the direction of my indie films. Mm -hmm. Is that an example of crowdsourcing? It is. Yes, it is. Because you're identifying an audience that, uh, you know, is interested in exactly what you're doing. Um, you're giving them good content. You're, you're going to keep delivering on your promises. You know, you have to build up that goodwill um, over time before you start asking. But it, it certainly is. I mean, look, when, when you're providing something for an audience, um, it becomes, and you're delivering on it constantly, it becomes that much easier to say, you know, hey, I would really appreciate it if you would do this for me. Um, it's building up that goodwill, which you are. Well, that's great, man. And it sounds like, uh, well, it is a success, this book. It's doing great on, on Amazon. All the reviews are, are glowing. Um, are there any things that uh, have come to light uh, since the book has come out, some, some new tricks that uh, you may not have shared? Well, not really. I mean, the book's only been out a few months, but I, you know, I think that what we're seeing, I think since when I first started, I think everything that we thought would come to pass has come to pass. And what I mean by that is, you know, when we first started to do the book and we were talking it through and 
kind of went through the peer reviewers and, and, you know, did some research and did some surveys asking people what they thought and what they wanted to see. The feedback was pretty fascinating because you had sort of the old world uh, creatives and business people who were like, man, you know, it doesn't work this way. You know, you go out and you find money and you go out and you make your projects and that's it. But you had people from sort of the new world, the people that were creating digital content and the, new, and the filmmakers that had kind of broken into the scene over the last few years, and even the screenwriters and the actors that were just coming into the business or who had spent a bunch of their time. It's funny because you get it with the character actors because they, they work hard uh, you know, to, to build a brand for themselves. But those were the people that came back and said, no, 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 this is going to be more timely and, and it's going to get more timely as the years go on, the next few years. And we felt the same way. So I think the thing that has kind of, you know, come to bear, I guess, since we started writing it and even since the book has come out, is that exactly what we thought was going to happen is happening. More content is being bought than ever before. There are more avenues and places for more avenues to get in, more places to distribute your content, more ways to self-distribute your content more platforms and avenues to build a brand for yourself and for your work. And what we're finding is that people are reading this book and the light bulb is going off and they're going, holy hell, this is what I was missing all this time. This is why some of my campaigns failed. This is why I'm not having success on social media. This is why I haven't had success in face-to-face meetings at conferences and everything like that because I'm not putting these strategies into play. So there's this sort of awakening that um, a lot of people who are reading the book, uh, you know, that they're having, but it's also been cool to see that where we're headed right now, and I'll give another example of this. Mm-hmm. I have a good friend who left an, who left an agency job, worked in filmmaking forever, worked on the film side forever, put together projects that you all would know very, very well. He left to start a digital business, a digital he, digital shorts, web series, short form content, and it got involved with a company that is going to help monetize and distribute that content so that short form content creators not only will have a, uh, a place to be seen and to have their voices heard, but to actually make money off of their projects. Now, what's really interesting about that is if there's a place for people to actually profit off of short form digital material, that means that investors are gonna wanna come into that space as well. But guess what? Everybody wants to do it now. Now everybody wants to come in and do it and everybody's gonna be looking to get those dollars and to figure out how to do it and figure out how to monetize it and everything like that. So again, what makes you stand out? Well, the smart people right now are building enormous brand for themselves mm-hmm. by using crowdsourcing. They're building yeah. a brand for the material they have through crowdsourcing. And let me just, let me just throw one other sure. thing out there because I get asked this question all the time. I talk about the brand of you and the brand of uh, your content and uh, you know, how you go about all this. I always get asked, it's a chicken and egg question. Um, you know, which comes first, the brand of you or the brand of your content. And there is an actual answer to this and it's the brand of your content. When you're walking into this you know, business or into this arena and you're an unknown and you're up against such enormous comp- uh, competition, you want to cast actually sort of a narrow and, and direct target of people you, you want to go after. Um, 
once you do that and once you engage them and you get them involved and you make them feel ownership of what you're doing and how you're going to do it and why you're doing it, they become supporters of that. They feel invested in that. Then you ask them to move on behalf of you in that project. Let people know that this thing is coming out. Can you tell other people who you think would be interested in this kind of material to please reach out to me and to get involved and to be part of this and to have a voice? Let me give them a voice. And you deliver on everything you say. Guess what happens? The shift goes from the brand of the content to the brand of you, because now you are a creator. You are somebody that created this piece of content and delivered on every single thing you were going to deliver. Now, even if you want to do a 180 with your next piece of material, let's say you want to go from horror to comedy and, you know, you had all these horror people in your corner and now you tell them, look, you know, I want to do a comedy film. Guess what? They're going to follow you anyway, Mm. because now they are fans of the brand of you. They want to follow you. And that's the interesting part of this thing. Once you crowdsource the first time, if you do it successfully, you will take that audience from project to project to project. That's how people build gigantic fan bases and follower bases and become influencers and so on and so forth. It's all about that communication and following through on everything you promise. Wow. That's, that's super insightful. You know, everything that you do in your online life and your offline life, uh, you know, signals your seriousness and, and broadcasts, you know, your commitment to what you're saying you want to do. Your actions really, truly do speak louder than words, not to be cliched, but it, it is it's especially true in this business. A lot of people like to talk and not a lot of people like to walk the walk, but the ones that do stand out. And I think that, uh, you know, if you commit to that, you, you know, you will put yourself in the best position to be successful. And I guess the only other thing I want to say is if you are interested in everything I had to say about crowdsourcing filmmakers, it is available on Amazon, uh, in Kindle and in uh, paperback. I don't know why the hell I blanked on that because I guess nobody, I guess I'm not used to people talking about paper books anymore. But yes, it's available in paperback and available in um, on as an ebook. And it's a fun read. That's the other thing I want to stress about this is not a dry read at all. I, one of the agreements I made with Focal because you know the books. Uh, tend to lean more towards the technical side was that it was going to be fun, enjoyable. There's no dry homework assignments or anything like that. It's just a fun journey. Yeah. Well, it's uh, crowdsourcing is such a complex uh, topic that uh, it's nice that someone like yourself actually put it all together in in a nice package uh, for people to absorb. So that's how you get the book. Mm -hmm. How easy is it to join stage 32? It's so easy. I mean, it's a free site, obviously. I mean, we talked about the education and and we have a lot of free education on the site. Of course, some of the webinars, classes and labs are are premium, but there is a ton of free information on the site. Obviously, the networking part of it um, is completely free, uh, the forms. Um, But, you know, it it takes less than 30 seconds to create a free profile. Beyond in no time, you can, you know, connect your Facebook account to it or your Twitter account, sign up with either one of those as well. It'll take even less time. Uh, it's a piece of cake. I mean, it really is. And, and, and it'll take you no time at all. Well, that's great. I'm actually going to order your book and I'm going to sign up for stage 32 and check it out. And, uh, thanks for being on the podcast, Richard. I I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it, my friend. Well, that's that. 
I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Indie Film Grit podcast. Feel free to go to the website and check out the show notes, IndieFilmGrit.com. Follow us on Twitter, at IndieFilmGrit. And subscribe to us on iTunes. Well, I should really wrap this up, but before I go, let me ask you something. Do you have the courage, the passion, and the perseverance to make indie films? Do you have enough indie film grit? Indie film grit.